Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Irrelevant Sports. I'm your host Marissa Womack, if you didn't know, now you know. And I am here with a very special guest, Megan McEwen. Um, So I'm just going to let her introduce herself a little bit. Well, hello. Thank you for having me on. I love the name of your show. I think that's very catchy. Um, My name's Megan. I live in Chicago and I am um, one of the women's basketball analysts for the Big Ten Network, Um, in addition to serving as an analyst and host for Field of 68, which covers men's basketball. Um, I also do sideline reporting football-wise for Big Ten Network and in-studio hosting. So a lot of hoops, a lot of Big Ten, and um, I, I just I love all sports and feel very fortunate to get to work in this field. Yeah, um, so you were a former basketball player at Northwestern, um, and your dad is the coach currently. Yeah. So did you kind of always know that you wanted to follow along beside him? It's a good question. You know, growing up around sports, like, it's all I know. So I knew that I wanted to get into sports somehow after college. And I was fortunate enough to play college basketball. I played for my dad at Northwestern. So um, when I was 16 years old, I actually grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. And my dad was the head coach at George Washington University. Um, I have a brother with autism who is a couple years younger than me. And um, dad had a ton of success at GW, but decided to take this Northwestern job when it opened, even though it was like the worst job in, in college basketball to take. But the services for children with autism were much better in Chicago than they were where we were currently living. So we moved when I was 16, um, much to my chagrin. Uh, I always joke with my parents they ruined my life because I was a junior in high school. But that being said, when we moved there, the Big Ten Network actually came out to our house to do a story on our family and on my brother. And kind of seeing, like, the storytelling and the lights and the camera and just the whole production, I was like, I want to do this. And so, like, I was one of those crazy people that I was, like, 16 and knew what I wanted to do. And then, you know, my mom is very into sports. We mean, like, we grew up every Saturday watching college game day. We just, like, constantly have football, basketball, baseball, golf, whatever it is. Our TV is always on sports. So just growing up around it as much as I did, um, I knew I always wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, for me, personally, I talk about it a little bit. Um, I always had a passion for sports and then I didn't like pursue it I just something in the back of my head was like I'm gonna follow my sister like I'm gonna do science shortly realized that was not for me (laughs) Um, I think deep down I always knew that I was such like a sports girly like I I grew up hopping the fence and going and playing flag football with my neighbors and I would always dominate and I was like this tiny little girl and at the time, my friend, he knows that he was overweight for his age, but he was huge. Like, he was the size of, like, a, a middle schooler at the time, and we were, like, six. And so being able to, like, play in roughhouse with them, I think, always just sparked a, an interest, and here I am now. <laughs> and here you are crushing it. Yeah. Um... So you are a hoops color analyst for the Big Ten Network. 
So do you want to dive in a little bit on what that means? Yeah. So when you're watching, you know, a game, and it's funny, and I don't mean to dumb it down like this, but I do think it's helpful for people who like might not know. When you're watching a game, you normally hear two voices talking. And one person is the play-by-play, and they're calling the who, what, when, where. And then you have that other voice, and it's the analyst, and that's kind of the expert, and it's telling you why something happened. So I'm the analyst, and I'm telling you why something occurred. So in very much layman's terms, like I'm, I'm the expert on each team and what they're trying to do strategically, what's working, what's not working, why players are effective, why they're not effective. And so, you know, I get to do this. I call about two to three games a week, which is, I mean, I feel so blessed to, you know, literally get paid to talk about sports, which is wild. Um, but, you know, and not only am I I'm doing it, you know, for the Big Ten primarily. So I'm calling one of the best conferences in the country. Um, and, you know, we have talents right now in the conference, like Caitlin Clark, who is a contender for National Player of the Year, who, who truly is you know, a once-in-a-generation talent. Um, and, you know, a team like Indiana, for example, who is in the top three in the country and could potentially be a Final Four team. So there's just so much talent from top to bottom in the league. And so I have the opportunity to kind of, like, serve as the expert go-to person on all things Big Ten. Yeah, um, I'm currently taking a collegiate athletics class, and we just talked a bit about color analyzing for quarterbacks specifically um and kind of how that looks like from like a white quarterback versus a black quarterback and how they get pushed to do different activities versus like going into the pocket or running the ball like things like that so I think that that's like super cool to be able to analyze it on a basketball perspective because I feel like sometimes there's like a stereotype around basketball players in general of like how they look and how they perform and to be able to analyze that a bit differently is something that's like very impressive it's a lot of fun you know and just kind of being able to break down someone's specific skill set you know everyone's so unique in what they're able to do so uh and you know like i just think this generation in particular, um, the product of women's basketball is so good across the board that it's just a really good time to be a part of it. Yeah, and especially going to the number one women's basketball school in the nation. Yeah, hey, you have the privilege of watching Aaliyah Boston every single, every single time she goes out, and she's just been phenomenal throughout her time at South Carolina, really fun to watch. Yeah, they play LSU on Sunday, Mm -hmm. and tickets are already sold out and I tried to get them and I like couldn't yeah no it, it's gonna that's gonna be such a great game you know Angel Reese for LSU transferred from Maryland so I covered her a lot last year um and she's just done I mean fantastic at LSU the way she's rebounding the ball right now I just don't know and this player of the year race is going to be insane between yeah you know when you take a look at Aaliyah Boston Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark like I, no choice is a bad choice yeah um, and then you talked a bit about how you do sideline, but you also worked for um, Wish TV in Indianapolis covering all different sports. So what is it like jumping around sports and what would you say is the hardest part of keeping up with them? So I used to work in local news before I switched over to um, national network, but 
uh, that local news job really helped prepare me for that aspect of it. So, you know, when you're sideline reporting, I think sideline reporting is the hardest job of any of the apparatuses um, of a broadcast, simply because, you know, you have to prepare so diligently and you have to know so many, especially for football, there's so many players, you have to know so many storylines and you normally only get to use like 10% of your knowledge just because it's naturally the flow of the game, trying to get you in and out and, um, you know, just physically having to like walk throughout the football field, you know, it's a huge space to cover. So it's a really hard job and, and it's difficult to, you know, keep track. And I've been really fortunate to get these opportunities. You know, I did wrestling the other night. Um, I, I was in studio for that. I was in studio for hockey um, a couple weeks ago. So, you know, sports and I'm going to have the opportunity to um, do some baseball as well coming up here for the Cubs. So, you know, c- keeping track of sports is definitely um, not easy, but it is, uh, it's a lot of fun it requires just a lot of organization and studying and just making sure you're really on top of things yeah and sideline reporting specifically college football is the path that i'm on the way of right now um and i think that the storylines probably is the hardest part especially with them still being students you have to keep up with their academic tracks and what they're studying and where they plan on going and things like that yeah it's it's definitely a uh, it's a lot to keep track of and you know you always have to be on your toes when you're interviewing like paying attention to the game in addition to paying attention of what's happening on the sidelines you know like you're there I love the way it was put to me once by a, a boss like you're like a, a little spy on the sideline like tell me you know I don't have access to that so how you know, that's what your job is. Just tell me what's going on down there. So you got to keep track of a lot of moving pieces. It's it's really hard. I have the utmost respect for really good sideline reporters. Yeah. Um, so going back a bit to Big Ten, um, you report on a few pregame shows, postgame shows, and specials. So what would you say is your favorite part of this role? Ooh. You know, I really love doing um, – post game shows because they're a little more free flowing less scripted and you kind of just kind of go off like the cuff with a really good analyst and it's fun to be able to break down the game and I love hearing from I get to work with so many great analysts when I'm in the host role that uh, I always love hearing their perspectives on, on what they're seeing out there so it's just it's a really cool area of television where like you don't know what's going to happen you're just like going into it you're live you got to go with the flow and I've really enjoyed kind of like that free-flowing um part of of a post-game show yeah I feel like for me if it came down to like my team losing and going into a post-game show that would be the only hardship would be trying to like keep it all together yeah. Like you gotta stay neutral, so that's that's the one thing you gotta not care who wins or loses. But but I know that sometimes, uh, especially when you're in college and you know you're you got your Gamecocks, that's gonna, it's gonna be hard. Yeah, it, even like um, last year for the national championship, like we kind of already knew that we were gonna win by like the end of the third, going into the fourth, and I still had to like. I, w- I still was not fully okay with, like, the, the score. I was like, come on, like, get more. It, w- it was hard to watch, even though I knew that we were winning. Um, 
which, yeah, I feel like staying neutral is probably the smartest idea going <laughs> out of college. But, Absolutely. Um, and then you've worked for ESPN a little bit for Champ Week and um, the NCAA tournament. So what were those like? Those were awesome experiences, you know, uh, growing up in women's basketball, like it was just such an honor to get to call the NCAA tournament last year for ESPN, just because, you know, this is what I grew up going to, you know, my dad went to, I mean, 15 plus NCAA tournaments when he was at GW and has gone to a few at Northwestern. And so, you know, to have the opportunity to get to call and just understand like, you know, it's the highest achievement in our sport is getting to the tournament. It's everyone's goal at the beginning of the year. So kind of getting to watch the teams and the players get to reap the fruits of their labor was really cool to, to be a part of. And then for Champ Week, I had an opportunity to sideline report for um, the NEC title game on the men's side, men's hoops. And that was another – it's just, it's so cool, once again, when you see a team, especially in those one-bid conferences, like they have to win the tournament or else they're not going to – they're not going to get into the dance. Um, it's really cool to see the excitement and the, you know, it's, it's such a huge accomplishment. So uh, it, it really is an honor to, to get to be a part of that type of coverage. Yeah. What would you say is kind of the biggest difference between reporting on men's versus women's basketball? There really isn't any difference. And that's the thing, you know, uh, it's the same exact sport. I always say that if you claim to be a basketball fan, then you should love women's basketball because it's more fundamental. Uh, you have to be like more talented individually in order to be successful because you can't play above the rim and you can't play as fast and physical as the men's game. So to me, it's just like a beautiful form of basketball um, on the women's side. So I, the biggest difference, I mean, if you're going to come down to it, just maybe pace of play and, and playing above the rim. But I mean, strategically it's all it's all the same game so there's not really a huge difference by any means yeah what would you say for like the people because I know right now recently a few of the NBA like owners have been trying to merge with owning like WNBA teams um there's I know I've heard a few bits of controversy around that so like are your thoughts on it Uh, you know it's it's interesting, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know enough to give, like, a completely educated opinion or answer on it. Um, I know it was a model that was used before, and um, they went away from it. So I do know the WNBA is, you know, at, at a really high point popularity-wise, which is awesome. I just think there needs to be, like, the WNBA needs to be able to charter planes. Like, you have to be able to, these women are all above six feet for the most part like you have to give them bigger planes where they can stretch their legs like you have better benefits being a college athlete at a power five school than you do in the WNBA because at power five school and in a lot of mid-majors as well you're chartering everywhere so like the WNBA that should be the same model I mean the NBA they get massive planes for for their travel so Mm -hmm. it it should be the same um and I know that it's very cost costly and whatnot, but they have to find a way to somehow get it so the WNBA can charter on planes. And if that means bringing in, you know, consistent, like, cash flow um, from that type of outlet, then potentially. But again, I don't, I don't know enough about 
the ins and outs of, of what that effect would have on the WNBA if the NBA owners got in on it. Yeah, I did an interview with one of the G League presidents, and before he was a G League president, he was a WNBA team president, mm-hmm. and we talked about his difference and like what his perspective on everything was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, honestly, working with a WNBA team just kind of teaches you patience and like teaches you how to be more caring towards your team. Because even like in college basketball right now, you've seen how UNC, like Chapel Hill has gone downhill and amid a lot of controversies and different stories going on within their team. Um, and you can definitely see how when feelings get involved, like women do have a different perspective of dealing with them and how to avoid any hardships or I I don't even know the right word. Yes. Um, And so he was like definitely switching over. Like you can see the different emotions and you can see that you have to take more patience with the guys and you have to teach them more life lessons when it comes to how to treat each other and how to be kind to each other and things like that so that I think being able to hear from him I think that if coaches were to go from or owners were to go from like a WNBA team to like working with an NBA team it definitely would be a bit of a difference in the sense of community um but yeah i think it it really does does depend on i think the state overall and like how close the teams are to each other and things like that yeah i and i don't know what's gonna happen you know i think there's a lot of different ideas that um, are being tossed around right now um, and I'm just kind of curious to see how, you know, Kathy Engelbrecht is going to, you know, handle things coming down the pipeline, who's the WNBA commissioner. Yeah. Um, and then you also worked for Chicago Sky um, WNBA. So how is working with college atmospheres to professional leagues a bit different? Yeah, you know, they're different in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, before, like, you had to be very careful talking about, you know, like, money and betting, or not betting necessarily, but, like, you always have to be careful talking about that. But more so, you know, with NIL now, these college athletes are getting paid. Um, and so the WNBA and the pros, like, that was always, you know, the case. I just think the biggest difference um, in covering the, with, like, women's college basketball and the WNBA, it's really cool because – you know, both leagues, for lack of better terms, are so supportive of the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting to cover Candace Parker for a couple of years was really cool just because, I mean, I watched her growing up and she was just incredible. And so to watch her, you know, go to the national championship game and to see Aaliyah Boston, you know, and mm-hmm. on the podium, like, hi, Candace Parker. Um, it's cool to see that kind of camaraderie amongst uh, women's basketball. It's just, you know, in, I will say in the pros, the level of competition is so much higher mm-hmm. and that competitiveness and the philosophy of you have to hate losing more than you love winning. Um, it definitely sticks out and you can see 
that's more of the because it's so you know so cutthroat. You only have you know twelve people on a roster. Um, it's just so difficult to make the team, and that level of competition is so high that um, I would say the mindset's a little different in that respect. Yeah, even with like Asia coming back, especially for like the tournament and everything like that, like you can see the relationship is still always yeah. there. And whenever she comes, like she's always right next to Dawn, hugging her. Like it's just, yeah. it's so cute. It's awesome. You know, Asia Wilson's done so much for college. I mean, Dawn Staley has done just so much for college basketball in general. Um, she always will be one of my my favorites too you know, watch and just what she's been able to do for so many women throughout her career. She's going to go down in history as just one of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. Um, so that can go into one of the questions of who is someone that you look up to most? Ooh, that's a great question. There's a lot of, you know, I'm really fortunate. There's a lot of people that I admire. Like, I look up to my parents all the time um, just because of who they are as humans. I love what Dawn Staley has been able to do just from a competitive standpoint and from a, you know, just being a, a powerful woman and, and supporting um, others and uplifting others around you. There's um, a mentor of mine, Lisa Byington, who is the first female play-by-play for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and she's just somebody that's really paved the way for women in this industry to come on up. And I really admire what she does. Um, my goodness, there's just so many. Like, I really admire Holly Rowe and how she's able to juggle so many different sports and jobs and just always is at the highest level with everything and has the trust of everyone that she covers. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's quite a few that I'm really in awe of regarding just how they've kind of paved the way for other women in sports yeah holly Rowe. um she's a very busy woman and yes especially like i started taking notice of all of the broadcasters as i was getting into my paper for my class and everything like that and being able to kind of watch her on tv i never even like paid attention as much as i probably should have but I, I would like look and she would be on that one or like she would be on the sidelines for this game and I'd be like it's just like she's everywhere all the time she's I don't know how she does it she's such a rock star yeah um so Ooh, and Maria Taylor I love Maria Taylor yeah just awesome what would you say for the broadcasters that you look up to the styles um that you take away from them? I just think they're so confident in their delivery and in their presence and the poise that they carry themselves with. And that's all that it is at the end of the day. You know, you just have to be confident and you have to be knowledgeable and it's just about doing your homework. Um, And so I just really respect their approach to this industry and how they handle their craft. Yeah. Um... So going back to your parents being role models for you, what would you say was probably the biggest stereotype you had to overcome while playing with your dad? Yeah, you know, I'd be lying if I said, like, it wasn't hard to hear, like, you're only here because you're your dad. Uh, And that was hard to overcome, but I'm really thankful that 
you know, I did, and, you know, my senior year, I was voted a captain by my teammates, and, you know, when I was a freshman, like, I, I had to earn the respect of all of my older teammates, and, and I was able to do that, and so I'm really, you know, proud of those accomplishments, just kind of, you know, proving that I'm not here just, like, trying to, I'm not here just because of him, like, you know, I, I'll do the work, I'll, I'll be a good teammate, all those things. Yeah, um, definitely, like, even for our football team, like, I know Spencer Rattler, like, he came in and everyone had these big expectations for him, and he ended up being, like, chosen by his teammates as captain just because of how he put in the work. He showed them that he he was here to do a lot more than just be the pretty face on the team, the big NIL boy kind of thing. Right. He had a great season. Yeah. Um, so when did you – I know you talked about this when um, – Big Ten came and did the special for your family, but when was kind of another moment where you realized that you wanted to get into TV journalism and analytics? Um, you know, that really was like the moment for me where I knew I wanted to do it. And then, you know, having the opportunity, I interned at Big Ten Network when I was in college. Um, and I got to go to Big Ten Media Day for football. And, um, it was just like kind of being around the players and the coaches. It just was all just very cool to me. And I knew I wanted an opportunity to be able like to, you know, be a part of the coverage one day for a network. Yeah. Um, so what would you say is probably the hardest part of being a woman in this industry? I think the hardest part of being a woman in this industry is like naturally you walk into situations and people think you're not as knowledgeable as your male counterparts simply because you're a woman. Um, you know, I always joke with, uh, my fiance is a college basketball coach and I always joke with him, you know, like I've been doing this longer than anyone else has because, you know, I grew up around the game and I've, you know, I know what it's like to, to be in a locker room and how to, you know, withstand the ups and downs that happen with the season over the course of six months. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a frustrating notion that like you know the automatic thought is oh you're you're just a sideline reporter because you're the girl or you know there's no way that you could actually like call a men's game or whatever. Um, but I, I think we've come a long way, uh, and I'm sure you know I hope that stereotype continues to kind of get squashed. But I would say that's probably the hardest part. When I walk into a classroom full of. 50 seats and there's only four girls that is probably like the hardest part and knowing that I'm usually one of the only ones in the class that wants to go specifically into broadcasting because everyone else wants to do like concerts or sales things like that so that I think is the hardest part for me. Yeah, well, and you know what? I think, look, men weren't born with an automatic understanding of sports, you know? Like, it's nothing that you can't, you know, like, study and, and yeah. you know, know just as much as they do. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes along, too, into when you are sideline reporting, like, how much information you have to retain about each player 
it's just like studying for a test every single time that you go on this like on the field yeah that's exactly what i compare it to actually like studying for a test yep yeah um so looking back on your younger self what advice would you have probably to not be so hard on myself because I think it's really easy, especially nowadays with social media to get caught up in the comparison game and to be like, well, so-and-so is doing this at my age and I'm not there yet. So I must be a failure like that. None of that matters. Like everyone is on a different path. And I think it's like the frustrating part about this industry and the beautiful part is that no one has taken the same path. Like everyone's path to where they are is completely different and so I think that um, I wish I wasn't so hard on myself and I wish I didn't compare myself to people when I was younger yeah I think that I was definitely stuck in that phase for a while Um, especially in high school like obviously as a teenager you're gonna be comparing and everything like that but I think that deep down like I knew that I was going to go into sports but I was comparing myself to everyone else and I was like oh like I don't think that I could do it and then I started my first podcast my senior year of high school and I was basically online the second semester completely because I was like there's no point COVID obviously um and so I just kept pushing myself more and more out of my boundaries especially with that one and then over break when I started this one like noticing comments that friends around me were making some obviously very supportive others were questioning me and what I was doing and things like that but I think just like not listening to their judgment and like what they have to say and truly just doing like what I want to do because at the end of the day like I literally I live by YOLO because (laughs) like you're you're really you're here you get one attempt you uh, just pushing through not listening to everyone and their comments and things like that yeah, exactly um hard though easier said than done yeah and it, it, it truly can be but i i watch like growing up we have youtubers everywhere yeah. that they they know that people are going to make comments behind their backs and things like that but they wouldn't be successful they wouldn't be where they are now and like with TikTokers, things like that. So that's like my biggest thing, especially with this podcast of knowing that there's going to be comments made and things like that. But it, I mean, I'm the one running it, so they can't really control anything about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what would you say to those who are scared to either get into sports or want to quit? Um because of who's surrounding them you gotta just you have to find a way to block out all the noise and I think it's really important to have a great support system you know I'm so fortunate to have great friends and my family and my fiance that you know are like ride or die with me um and you really have to to not pay read your own press good press bad press don't read it um it's just it's easier said than done but the more you just focus on trying to make yourself into the best reporter, analyst, play-by-play, host, whatever role that might be, like, the better off you're going to be, you know, and also, like, just working in silence is so important, you know, don't, 
don't need to brag about everything you're doing, you know, um, you know, keep, keep your next move close and, you know, let your work speak for itself. I just think that, you know, the biggest advice to people who are, who get discouraged is you just have to go back to your why, like, why do you do this? Why do you love this? Because I mean, at the end of the day, like you have to make decisions in life that are best for you. And, and if you know, you're just discouraged by someone not saying something nice about you, someone's not, everyone's going to like you, you know, I don't like everyone by any means. So I, I just think having that mindset of you just got to keep your head in the sand in a lot of different areas that that's helpful. Yeah. And with this industry, some people like think that it can be about money, but you're not making like millions until you're way up there. So it's like, I'm doing this because I enjoy it. I'm doing this. Yeah, I do it because you love it. You can't do it for the paycheck. I made $24,000 at my first job in a year. Yeah. So you got, you got to do it because you love it. Yeah. And like, especially right out of college, like a lot of people have to take unpaid internships for their first year. But I always like tell people that I'd rather be happy in my job than miserable with yeah a whole lot of money a hundred percent exactly um okay and then the last question is where do you see yourself in the future and women in media you know i do see that there's starting to have a lot there's starting to be a lot more room for women in sports media and i think we're going to continue seeing that trend as for where i see myself i don't know you know i've been so fortunate to have you know of great opportunities um, within Big Ten Network and Fox that I, I hope to, you know, always be in a situation where I can do some sideline reporting for football, where I can do some baseball, where I can do basketball. Um, so I just, I hope that I'm always kind of able to do a little bit of everything like I'm doing right now. Yeah. And I think that that's like an advantage of being so versatile is being able to have more opportunities to open up and the future as a whole. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, we're, I think everybody's on the right track right now, and it's really cool to see. You know, we see more diversity on television. It's so important to have diversity um, because there's a lot of different people watching TV, and it's important to see someone who looks like you on the screen. Yeah. Um, well, that is everything. If awesome. there's anything else you would like to add, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Um, Good luck with everything. Thank you. The next episode, I'm not sure who will be on just yet. Um, might be lacrosse. We'll see. Um, but it will be out next Wednesday, so I will see you guys next week.